As a passive investor, a property manager is likely the number one person on your team that you need to be completely locked on. In today's episode, Janet Fields gives us her number one incredible test that I've never heard before that's guided her and her clients to hiring the right property manager. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, managing partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors, welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I am so excited to be sitting down with Janet Fields. Now, Janet is CEO of Oak Trust Properties, a management company out of Charleston, South Carolina. And it's interesting how we got introduced. So Janet, you're actually seeing a trend of owners reaching out to you because they are possibly looking to change directions with their investment strategies. They're either self-managing or they have a manager now that isn't quite cutting it. And me and you have both been hearing that quite a bit from our peers and from other investors. So I really wanted to have you on and get you on the platform so that you could help some of the listeners prevent some of these catastrophes that you've walked into at some point, or even that we've seen. So we're really excited to have you here to share your knowledge on management and how investors can hire, fire, outsource that so they could be a little bit more passive, be more owners instead of managers. So we're excited to have you and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to get it started. Yeah. So tell us about Oak Trust Properties. We were talking a little bit before the recording. You have quite the experience Tell us why property management is what you found to essentially be your calling. Yes. So property management is extremely interesting. You never have a boring day. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I feel like I'm in it for the stories. It's so interesting. The amount of personalities that are involved, the mediation, just trying to get what everybody wants out of the conversation. It's really interesting. But helping homeowners and finding residents and supporting them is extremely rewarding. When we get thank yous from clients that said, we didn't know what to do in this situation. And thank God that we hired y'all from Trust Properties. We're like, it's really rewarding. It feels great. And it's hard to talk about your home. Sometimes it's an accidental home. It turns into a product instead of like an emotional home that you lived in. And you have to kind of shift gears. So sometimes we do a little coaching with that. And I do find that to be fun where you can kind of shift the mindset between this is my home, this is my property, instead of this is a product for somebody else, and I want them to appreciate it. And they see it as I pay this amount of money, and I expect this as a product. So yeah, it's that transitional period between this is something that's mine versus this is something you're preparing for somebody else, who, let's be honest, doesn't care about what you had in the home or what you did here, or what memories you had, it's a totally different mindset. And a lot of times owners, it is hard to make that distinction, especially in the time with like a first rental or a sale where they're maybe doing things that aren't the best for the next purchaser, maybe better for them, even though they're exiting that property. So we manage a lot of multifamily. I know you manage a lot of single family. I'm curious, what are some of your war stories from property management just for entertainment value? There's a lot of interesting ones, especially right now, but they're still live. So one of my favorite stories that I always think is just a little niche and weird is these like it's such a weird thing. Like we've had bees come into homes. So bees are protected. So you can't just get a can of rain and spray them. So there's that. And when they get into your home, who knew that bees could produce hundreds of pounds of honey within those walls? You hire the beekeeper, whoever they are to come remove them. And then guess what? 
these like to come back to the same location. So if it happens once, it might happen again. But we have experience because we did it the first time, right? That's one of the weird ones that you just never really expect is bees. And then we live in Charleston. It's a really historical place. And we've had ghosts. <laughs> and sometimes it's in newer homes. That one's always weird to like kind of navigate and be respectful as possible. But also you're super curious and it sounds really cool. We've had people yeah. say that they've been pushed through doorways and things have gone missing and ended up in the attic or they hear children in the next room and Bills. <laughs> you never know what to expect. Yeah. It would be terrifying because if bees produce honey in the wall, sometimes that honey will ooze. If you have a haunted home and there's bees in there, you might really be out of there. So out of curiosity, is haunting something or ghost something that you build a lease around or Ghosts are not a protected class, so we don't really have to talk about that. So, no. But I guess it could be like a really cool Airbnb if you wanted to like pitch it that way. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there that are the opposite of me. Really want to do that. But is it common to let somebody out of their lease if they're saying, this place is haunted? No, because we want to hold the lease and the lease is for our clients. So we're not going to let somebody out of it. There are lease break fees a lot of companies have, and that's something that they could explore. And if they're willing to pay the penalties and use the contingencies, then yeah, we can move forward with that. So if a owner's out there, they're listening and they have a haunted house they're looking to rent, there's nothing additional they need to do to protect themselves. <laughs> no, I really think you should make it an Airbnb and just attract that crowd. That'd be so cool. Interesting. Well, I never actually thought about that. And I guess in Charleston, yeah, it makes sense that you might have a little bit more of that. Actually, when I was in the military, we stayed on a base in Virginia that was for sure haunted. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody yep. saw the same stuff, had the same experiences, and it was notoriously a haunted base. So huge believer in it. And I'm definitely one to stay away from it. But just like you said, there's people out there who I guess like it. So yeah, no when it comes to conventional properties now, maybe ones that only have the one living tenant in it, and mm-hmm. you've worked with customers who have hired you right off the bat. And customers who are coming to you and saying, hey, I already have this. So when is a good time to reach out and see if this is something that they should do or if they should, let's be honest, save the money and maybe manage it themselves? It's definitely a cleaner transition to do it at the beginning for both parties. To do it before you hire or not before you hire, before you find a resident is a really great idea. A property management company brings a lot of liability reduction to the table for you. They know the numbers between credit and income those sort of things, these numbers, basically a scorecard, they know what they're looking for and they have minimums that they accept. So to be able to do that in the beginning can really save you a lot of heartache and avoid the messes, which is why you start reaching out to the property managers in the midterm. Even to buy the property, it's a good idea to talk to an investor, real estate agent or property managers. Like what sort of things are residents interested in? Do they they absolutely need a fence in the backyard? Are they looking for six bedrooms? Are they looking for the three random rough rooms in the back that I won't allow them to go in. Is that okay? No, that's not okay. So I think the front end is a lot better. Of course, they come to us in the middle. And at that point, it gets confusing for the resident. There might not be a lease in place. There might be an expired lease. There might be a lease with not a lot of personal information. Like we might not have done a credit check. So now we don't know how to get a hold of them if they're not paying rent uh, or we want to send them collections. So it gets to be confusing that these things that should have been done in the front end are now being done midterm. And now there's a whole new party involved. So it's confusing for the resident and frustrating as well, because they just want to be there left, like be left alone, be supported. It's actually interesting how common it is for self-managed properties, for the tenants to never have given their social security number. 
which means you can't collect on them if they either leave or they just squat. I would say out of a lot, and we do multifamily, so it's not just single family that does this, but even multifamily and even some managers that aren't really on top of the game, they will let tenants in with no social security number, no background checks. If you are looking to also buy property and you're listening as well, you know, that's something to check out for is have all these tenants. Do they have social security numbers? Do they have valid leases? We've taken over properties where half the tenants, there was just no lease. We actually had a property where we were going through due diligence. I would say maybe a fourth of the leases were not filled in. They were still the template leases. They were signed by the tenant, but it would literally say I tenant name in big brackets and at address in big brackets and they didn't fill it in. That's so, so concerning. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen it too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's how do you collect on that? And then after they're already in, there's not much you can do yeah. to get that information. So now yeah. you're just playing catch up. And a lot of times that tenant moved in there almost for that reason, because they're not willing to give you their social security number and they don't want to sign a real lease. So now when somebody does bring you in, let's say midway through, let's say they have a 12 month lease, they're four months in and they like, this just sucks. I don't want to do this. I want to hire a manager. Do you still do that? Do some managers say, no, we're going to come in only if we are able to place the tenants or how, I guess, does that work? Or is it just kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to do it as is. So typically we will do that. Now there are times a year with clients coming on. So we only make room for clients that will do the full service, but slower times a year is that we will take it. And we have like a tenant takeover kit basically we send out where we want to collect all the information that we probably didn't get with an application to start doing that and to fill in our software with all the information that we need to move forward in case we move forward collections. Yeah. It's not uncommon to somebody to come in with a tenant takeover. Got it. And so, You said if you have the capacity, essentially you'll do it, but of course you'll prioritize people who maybe have a vacant property or are purchasing Mm -hmm. a property with the plan of hiring you right away. Is that what you were saying? Yes, we are hired right away. Yes. Got it. And so all managers have that capacity and most places have like a leasing season, a heavy leasing season. Is that easier or more difficult to bring you on midway through if it's in that leasing season because of your capacity? Definitely more difficult. When we have a lot more going on, we have more projects and we need more attention. And so a lot of times those will be warmer months, right? Like summers, spring. Yeah. Okay. We honestly see that the time that the school starts, it slows down. It's like nobody wants to start during school. And then the holidays. So Thanksgiving. So if you are going to bring someone on midway through, it may be best to kind of play with those times when there's a little bit more capacity. This is kind of a loaded question, but I'm curious your thoughts, because this is something that Throughout all my business ventures, even in the past, not just through real estate, I've always never held this against people, but it was kind of an informal test for me. So let's say somebody is looking to hire a property manager and it's right in that busy season where you know a lot of the great managers are going to be busy and it's likely Mm -hmm. that they're not going to prioritize a brand new midterm client over their existing book of business. Is that kind of like a red flag if they do? Like, does that a signal that maybe they don't have that much clients or maybe that they're kind of okay taking on any business and they're not that selective? So you're saying that it's a busy season and somebody wants to come on that is possibly a project. So I am always concerned about the level of service that we can give. Mm-hmm. So if our bandwidth is completely stretched and I know my managers have a lot of large projects and they're balancing... I don't want to bring on another project because then the quality across the board is going to drop and the human error is going to rise. And I don't want to deliver that service and I don't want my team to deliver that service. So sometimes you have to say no to protect our integrity, to protect our brand 
and customer service. Absolutely. What are some red flags that people should look for when hiring a property manager, whether it's right off the bat or maybe midway through their lease? My favorite thing is a property manager who says yes to everything for you. If they will allow you to approve the residents moving into the property, if they'll allow you to change the lease, that means they don't really know what they're doing and they're not removing liability for you because a property manager is somebody who can reduce liability for you and protect you and protect you from yourself because you're not an expert in this. This other person has been doing this for hundreds of thousands of hours. So they have the experience. They've gone to court. They've tested their leases. So when they let client A tamper with their lease, it's really not in their best interest. Almost that a property manager is willing to give you as the owner less control in a way. Yeah. If the owner wants control over who we're going to put in the property, like literal who, not based on numbers, that's a problem. You shouldn't have a property or a property manager who is so flexible when it comes to contracts and such, anything that has liability. Got it. And that's because they're kind of more tested or you're expecting them to be exactly. more tested in those forms. And who they're they're hungry. Yeah. Interesting. Is there a way that owners can an interview process do that? Or is it kind of like a, hey, we hired this person. I sort of gave them this test. I told them I wanted this tenant in there and they gave. So now I know I might want to look for somebody else. Or what are some specific ways people can go about kind of seeing if the property manager is like that? You could honestly do what about 10%, 20% of our clients call in. They say, hey, I would like to approve the residence. And we're like, we can't do that. Like we wish we could, but it's landlord tenant laws. There's acts. It's really not in your best interest. Just let us take on that liability by removing you from the process. So some of the other things that you could do is how do they communicate? Do they tell you what to expect in the future? Do they only tell you what's going on and they only tell you after the fact? Or do they come to you and say, hey, X is happening and A, B, C are your options. Which way would you like to move forward? They should never be asking you, how do you want to do this? They should be coming to you with solutions and options. Have you ever had owners give you pushback and say like, well, this is my property. Is that just a point where maybe you would fire the client at that point and say, well, then this isn't really the relationship that we're looking for? Or how do you kind of handle those situations? Absolutely. I will say we were doing what's in your best interest. We have all these hours of experience. We are doing this to prevent you from going to court. We don't want to get you sued. We do want to get the best president in this property for you. And if this doesn't really work for you, I'm sorry that we don't align. I can go ahead and send you your rent roll and give you some recommendations of possible property managers that might be a better fit for you. That's fantastic. I mean, I think that's such a really, really good test because kind of like the informal tests I talked about, I want to see what you're about in a way. I want to know if you're willing to take control of the situation because a lot of times that's what the owners need. The owners, like you said, need to be told what's best for them or need to be guided Mm -hmm. in that way. And that's a big job for the manager. Hey, you need to make recommendations for me or let me know or educate me. Do you work with all kind of experience levels or most of your clients a little bit more seasoned or how does your portfolio look in that sense? So we have, I would say about 85% accidental landlords, or they only have maybe one to three properties that they manage, single family homes that we now have. And then we have the rest of them who have quadplex or they have 20 single family homes. Interesting. Any plans on niching into haunted house Airbnbs in the future? I think that would be a fun pet project, but we have a lot of people asking for a short-term rental. So that's a need that we need to fill here with the housing and people moving here. So that's probably my first niche. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, this has been a really, really awesome episode. I love the sort of tests that you gave for vetting the property manager. I don't think that I've heard somebody say specifically that before. Other stuff people think of, well, 
Are they knowledgeable of the market? Have they been there for X amount of years? I love that test. It's so specific and it has such an intention of really vetting who this person is, who's going to be probably the biggest impact on your property, whether it's negative or positive. So I love that testing. That's so invaluable. How can people get a hold of you and who should reach out? Sure. Anybody who's looking to find a property management company in the Charleston area, Oak Trust Properties might be for you. Give us a call, hop online, oaktrustproperty.com or on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. And we'd love to chat and just find out if we're a great fit. Awesome. Janet, that has been super valuable. We love the episode. Listeners, thank you so much for hopping on. Of course, we're going to put all the links to those in the show notes. And while you're there, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. All those links are going to be in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on.